If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, and I'm a human behavior expert. I specialize in children. I specialize in nutrition. There's, there's a couple of things that I can do. The basic thing is it's all about behavior. Now, today I'm interviewing, com- conversing with Linda Orsini, who is an amazing person you're going to get to meet just a moment. We share a book together. And look, I have my first copies. This is called Our Forgotten Children, and I'm pretty sure you will have heard about this. Oh, Linda's got hers. We're good. Um, And this is all about championing change in raising tomorrow's leaders. We're all about helping the children be the best that they can be and to nurture those hidden things that, you know, we can easily miss in a very busy world. So I'm going to get Linda to introduce herself in just a moment. And I'd like you to go get pen, paper, whatever you need for some insights, some resources. We have all sorts for you today. So, Linda, I'm going to hand it over to you. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your journey so far that brought us both to Our Forgotten Children? Yeah, I love hearing the journeys. And thank you, Michaela, for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. And so I am Linda Rossini, and I'm actually the founder of Global Wellness Education and the host of A Call for Love podcast. And I am a retired school teacher. I worked for 30 years, over 30 years, in the school system, and I loved it. It was really um, a beautiful, really, vocation that I honored and I really respected. And yet I knew there was something more in my life and I wanted to serve the adults, especially of our children, you know, they're caregivers. And so here I am now, I am a course creator for the HEAL method and I'm also um, a speaker, transformational life coach, sound healer, Reiki master, Uh, shamanic practitioner, meditation guide, mindfulness. I mean, I have a lot of credentials. So I use that as my toolkit to support others. That's amazing. And I love hearing that you have such a broad toolkit. Mine is also really broad and eclectic. And I think we need that in this world, right? Because in, in a world of just pick one thing, just do one thing. It's like, but nobody does one thing and nobody has one side to their issue and for parents wow it is it's such a tough gig you know you've got everybody judging you including yourself you have your old stories from when you were raised and then you've got all the added stuff with the pandemic that we've had and and so on and so forth it's just it's a tough place to be to be the parent these days so tell us a little bit more hmm Let's go to the book first, your chapter in the book. Tell us what the parents, caregivers, teachers can look for in your chapter. 
Well, it's so interesting that you uh, begin here because I had this story in me from teaching and I do love storytelling. I think it's a very powerful teaching tool. And so I begin with a story. I am chapter 13 in the book and I have read your chapter. So thank you for sharing that. And my chapter is called Nurturing Our Lost Children's Emotional Well-Being. And I begin with a story about my first year teaching, teaching kindergarten, and we're in the hallway. And one of the students says to me, Ms. Orsini, Ms. Orsini, um, somebody said the, the D word. So this was a little Benton fully. And he was so emotionally distressed. And I was torn between actually addressing his emotions and getting curriculum done, getting all the kids in this classroom. And it became one of my greatest lessons right off the bat that, you know, what am I here to do as a school teacher? Of course, I'm here to teach the curriculum, but even more so the little individual and help them navigate those big emotions and help them express themselves. And so I decided then and there that I was going to put the child first before the curriculum. I actually read that story and uh, <laughs> it made me laugh. I've, I've also done, I've spent some time as a teacher, but in Montessori, um, and it wasn't that long. I've been moving a lot. And so, you know, I was there for a couple of years, um, but following the child is where Montessori's at too. And it's such a different experience, isn't it? Oh, so, absolutely. So tell us something about what you think is key when you're working with a child's emotions, how, how to help. Time. We need to give them our undivided attention. We are multitasking continuously. And, you know, it's so interesting. I am going to be full disclosure here. But I have two sons and my youngest son is 23. And since I started my my career as a solopreneur, uh, he says to me the other day and I laugh so hard. He says, you know, mom, I'm so glad you weren't in business when I was younger because you would have been a terrible mother <laughs> because wow. I am so distracted. <clears throat> I'm working all the time. My mind is always planning and thinking that I am not really paying attention and focusing on him. And when he said that, I really had to stop because, of course, we're always learning. Now, I close my computer. I have to walk away from my computer and my phone and sit down with him and really give him the attention he needs. And he's 23, and uh, he's just really wonderful. And so the first and the foremost for children, for all of our relationships is really our undivided time and attention. And I would underline that all day long. Like that is so important. And I see parents with, you know, they have their, there's my, they have their phone and, you know, they're sort of distractedly waving at the kid and, and the child's behavior increases. It becomes more and more sort of out there, aggressive or loud or whatever it's going to be to get the attention. And if that's what it takes to get the attention, then the child's gonna keep doing it. So 
I think getting ahead of that game and really stopping and saying, you know what, I'm going to close this up and, and be here with you. Let's, you know, you have to make it not creepy for them, but, you know, sort of let's have that conversation. Like, what, what are you doing now? What are we talking about? And I think that's so key because people also don't listen. They don't pay attention. They just listen to reply. And that's a huge, how do you teach this even? And what, what kind of tools do you give people to remind them to be present? Another fantastic question that I'm so happy to answer because I am a meditation guide. And when I say meditation, I don't know if people on this platform are familiar with David G. I took his teacher training called Masters of Wisdom and Meditation Teacher Training. And I guide meditation weekly and even with my coaching clients. And on the spot is not the time to learn, right? Not in crisis, not in heated discussion or high emotionally triggered situation. It's not the time to learn to become present. We want to become present when we're okay, when things are good. And so I feel mindfulness and meditation are paramount. Uh, once you create a practice, then it can permeate through your life. And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, yesterday, I was teaching a class at the yoga studio because I'm also a yoga meditation guide. And there was traffic. It was completely stopped. I could not go anywhere. In 10 years, I have never been late for a class. Never. And so I called the studio and I said, I have, I'm going to be late. I was late six or seven minutes. So it was the start of class and it was okay. But I said, this is my practice. My practice is off the mat. It's off the meditation cushion. How am I going to respond to no control in this moment? And so, you know, I took a deep breath. I, you know, I, I thought, of course, when we're in fight and flight, we can't think straight. Mm -mm. So I, I really calmed down with my parasympathetic nervous system by breathing slowly. And then I thought, you know, I could get off here and I kind of look looked on my map. And so becoming present and really knowing that it's not the end of the world, we could get through it, you know, breathe, be present, be aware, be kind, self-compassion. Those are the skills that we can use for ourselves. Now, we can't be there for other people or our children if we're not having the practice within ourselves. So, Right. Absolutely. And I, I see the memes every now and then they go around with, um, you know, somebody sitting in lotus position and then they're saying, shut up, I'm trying to meditate or something like that. And that's that's so funny because it's exactly not what meditation's about, which is why it's so funny. But um, I, I appreciate that one very much. And I've, to your point about not being able to make good decisions and, and not sort of access information, this is something that I've studied quite a bit with polyvagal theory. And it's something I use with parents too, that you know, when your child's dysregulated, when they're upset, that's not the point to try and tell them anything or to try and get them to do anything. They can't hear you. You know, they, they really can't. So having some kind of meditation or some way to calm down is key so that you can move on from that because you just can't hear when you're all upset. You know, that's adults, children, anybody. 
So it's it's a really important first step, and I hope people have noted that down because uh, it, it's a tough one, actually. It takes time for people to learn that, and I think you have a process for this. Am I correct? Well, yes. I, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because we both are definitely on the same wavelength. And, you know, people want something more glamorous, something more powerful than just say, notice your breath. It sounds too plain, too easy, too unglamorous, like, you know, and so they want something more. Wow. You know, wowza. But it really is just stopping, just stopping you know, I always like to say, put my hand on my heart, and this is the process, or my belly, and just feel your breath. I mean, it sounds ridiculously simple, and it works. I love yeah. ridiculously simple. You don't? <laughs> I'm all about that. It's, it. you know, life is too complicated, and I, I think that's something else that we do just as, as human beings. If it's simple, we got to make it complicated. Otherwise, it's not worth doing, Right. Like if you have something that's very easy for you to do, it's just a no-brainer. You don't even pay attention to it. There's the key is you don't really pay attention to it because it's so easy. But that's actually a gift that you have. And we, we learn from very early on to ignore that and to look for the complicated. Where have I got to work hard? What, what hoops do I have to jump through? And if there aren't any, well, is it even going to work? You know, and it's, it's such a, a funny concept that we we just sort of I don't know maybe it's from society maybe it's how we're wired but it's something that we all end up with is is getting so you know complex about everything and before I let you jump into the next thing or before I ask you to jump into the next thing we actually have a break coming up so between now and then I would love for the listeners to make sure you've got some way to make notes and Jot this stuff down because it's really important, even though it might sound like, oh, well, that's no big deal. I'll just close my phone. But do you? You know, <laughs> it might not be complex, but are you doing it? Because I see kids all over the place that are not getting any kind of attention. And then they have to behave pretty extravagantly in order to get that attention. And that's not something we want to keep going. So we're already at break. We will be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Make notes unless you're driving. If you're driving, don't do that thing. Listen to this again later. And Linda and I will be back very shortly. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. 
contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Michaela Gaffinstone, your host, and I am in conversation with Linda Orsini, and we're learning some amazing things. If you missed step one of how to help your child heal their emotional hurts, then um, I suggest you go back and listen to it. And we'll, you know, we're not going to spend time on it right now. We're going to jump straight into the next thing, please, Linda. Okay, so when you pause and really stop to listen to the child and be present, then you want to just allow them to run the gamut of their emotions. As you had said before, Michaela, that we, um, when they're highly triggered and very emotional, you just need to be there for them. Let, let it run its course. And so just give them presence, just hold space for them. Give them time. Right. And to, to the emotions, this is something that parents typically get very uncomfortable around, especially when it's something like anger, because it can be perceived as, well, are you challenging me? Or, you know, this, this is something that I don't have control of. And, and parents typically haven't learned how to deal with it themselves very well. And certainly from childhood, they were probably shut down. So having a, a thought of pausing and simply allowing those emotions, you don't actually have to fix anything. You don't have to do anything. It just is. And they can feel it and you can acknowledge it. And it doesn't actually mean that they're challenging you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people just want to fix it and move on, fix it and move on. But I, I say, listen and love. Listen and love. Just listen. Just listen. Are we listening to people? Oh, my goodness. We are not listening to, to the other adults in our lives, let alone our children. We don't have time. Dinner has to get on the table. we got to get out the door. We're going to the sports. I mean, time is the, the, the most unrenewable resource, and it's so valuable that we don't even give it attention. So giving time without fixing. Listen and love. Yes, without fixing. I, I really appreciate that as well, because it's like, okay, you're done yet? <laughs> Are we finished? Um, that, that's not going to work very well either. And I've noticed too that with adults, we're not listening to each other. We kind of scan the conversation either when you're listening or hearing, um, or when you're reading, you scan the conversation, miss the key points, and then run off on a tangent. And so much time has to be spent unraveling all of that later you know like how did we end up over here this was where it was going but that listening didn't happen that attention didn't happen and I think that's a lot to do with the social media that we have today it's shortening everybody's attention spans and you know and, and we read our kids the same way we just sort of very quick oh I got these three things from what so-and-so just said and now I'm going to run with it and the child's wondering well but what about the other parts that I said that make a difference, right? And we, we're just not hearing them. We're not listening properly. And that's, uh, that's a function of society right now, I would say. 
So good thing to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where mindfulness comes in because mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judging. Yes. Underline without judging because it's not something you have to fix. It doesn't mean anything about you. Even if it does, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, let's not judge. That's really important. And after that, when somebody's working through these steps and, and trying to incorporate them all, what, what would come next? Well, I would say that really we have to go into uh, I want to dive deeper into the judgment, like let go of judgment, because what happens is, is that parents. So say if somebody, uh, a child has um, can't find their other shoe, let's just say, but they have three pairs of shoes at the front door and you have to leave the house quite quickly. Um, the parent will say, just just put on another pair of shoes, just it's simple. Just put on another pair of shoes. What's the big deal? And the other child and the child is like, like it is a big deal to the child who wants those particular shoes. Maybe they're comfortable. Maybe they're the right color. Maybe they're the happy shoes, whatever they are. And so we judge. It's not a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to the child. So really hearing the distress and I do say in my chapter, we don't have to take children literally, but we can take them seriously, right? And so what are they saying? They, they need that for something inside themselves or w whatever it may be. And so reducing the judgment to really um, not just listen with our ears and give them time, but then now listen with our heart, like truly want to understand them. Right. And I think from there, it also helps to sort out what's important and what isn't from a very different perspective. And, you know, I'm, I also love stories. So I'll just throw one in there that came to mind as you were saying that. Um, I have two sons. And when my youngest was very little, he was uh, in a Montessori school just for a couple of hours a day, you know, so I could do other things. And he was in a Spider-Man phase. And when I say he was in a Spider-Man phase, I mean, he lived in it, that the outfit, it didn't, you know, we had one to wash, one to wear, one to repair, and you had to peel one off and put the other one on. I mean, it was, it was serious for him. And his teacher wanted me to bring him to school wearing, as she said, normal clothes. And she was very, you know, determined about this. She was not happy to see this kid in his Spider-Man. And... I, I was very thoughtful because I, I know how strongly he reacted when you took it off. And so I, th I thought about it and I decided, no, I'm not going to accept this challenge. This is not my problem. So I took him in his Spider-Man. I took a bag of clothes, handed them both over to the teacher and said, you know, good luck. And <laughs> when I came to pick him up, he was looking quite happy wearing Spider-Man and she was looking rather ruffled, very unhappy. And she just handed me the child and the bag and, and kind of turned around and left. But I think that was important for all three of us. Like she was very focused on how he looked and I don't think for a toddler that really mattered. And that was my view. Her view was different. And then from his perspective, he just wanted to be how he was. And that was important to him. A lot like the shoes, finding the right shoes. It, it would have been a disaster if I had forced the issue and it would have dysregulated him all day. So, you know, what's important here? 
the other person's request, what you judge that to mean, or looking at the child and saying this is what they need. So I think that's that's what came up for me as you were saying that. Yeah, and that's I love that story because it just reminds me of a power struggle. Yeah. It's, it's just, do we want to get into a power struggle? Our, our, what is our purpose? What is our intention? Right. And, you know, for kids, they have all day. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not worried about their, their curriculum or their uh, shopping list or any of those other things. They want that one thing, and that's the thing, and that's it, and they have all day for that. So, you know, I, I do tell parents, don't, never fight with a child because they will always win. There's no point. You know, find a different way. Fighting with them is, is just setting up for more difficulties and less communication between the two, really. Yes, so. and that's, as you're saying this, I think of Barbara Coloroso. She always said, convince me. You know, convince me. And so I tried this with my son. I said this on one of my podcast episodes that uh, I picked him up from daycare and we were driving home. And uh, he says, mommy, I, I want to go to McDonald's. And this is a lot of years ago, maybe like 25. And I said, OK, convince me. Convince me why we should go to McDonald's. Because Barbara Coloroso always said, we do all the mental work. Let's give it over to our children. So he says to me, well, mommy, you don't have to do dishes. I'm like, oh, okay. He says, it's not expensive. I said, oh, another good point. And he says, it tastes delicious. <laughs> and he was like four. And I said, you know, Patrick, you convinced me. We're going to McDonald's for dinner. And, and he was so happy. I didn't do any of the mental work. He convinced me like literally convinced me because I loved all the options. And so I thought, you know, let's give it to our, our, our children, you know, to solve the problems. We think as larger beings that we need to think and problem solve everything, but let's empower the children to, to think for themselves. As you said in your chapter, we want them to think for themselves. We want them to explore, test, and experiment in the safety of their home. For school. Yes, I, I would love to see the school environment change actually to something more mobile, you know, like a Montessori classroom where you move from place to place and there's physical movement because kids are getting sugary cereals and then sent to school and told to sit still. And it, none of these things are compatible and they're not how they learn. So it's, it would be, I don't know exactly how it could be managed for all the schools, but just moving away from the sitting at the desk all the time um, position would be so nice for our kids. And making recess not the first thing you take away when they've done something that they shouldn't or they need to continue work to finish the work. Like what happens if they don't finish the work? But taking recess away means that the afternoon, all the, all the time after that is going to be so much more difficult because this kid hasn't had any room to move. So that's something, too, that, you know, looking at them, do you need a break now might be a really good question. As long as they come back to the task, you're not rewarding that behavior. You're just, you know, building in a break, which I think is really good, too. So, well, unfortunately, I think we were headed in that direction because there was an open, well, I'm in Canada 
And we were really um, proposing open classroom concepts where children could sit in different spots, they could stand, they could sit on a bouncy ball, you know, to release uh, pent up energy. And then COVID hit, and people regulated, kids, heartbreaking, regulated to their little square desks, six feet away from each other with a mask on. You could not leave your desk because you would be walking by another child. And then we really took a step back there. We were moving in the right direction, and uh, I think it did set us back. Wow. Yes, COVID set people back in so many ways. And there are kids that just don't have the socialization at the really important times. And now we have to deal with the repercussions of that moving forward. It's it did a number on our kids all over the place. Just wow. And, and I've noticed that the levels of anxiety in teenagers is sky high. Like it is through the roof. Find me a child that doesn't have anxiety. And I'm, I'm going to be very interested to find out, well, really, you don't? Like, are you sure? Because, you know, they do. Every kid I'm coming across has anxiety going on. It's almost a given. And what state are we in for that? Wow. You know, that's... That's really, unfortunate is a very small word for a very big problem, but I'll go with it. We're actually at break time again. Incredible how fast this is going. I'm loving our conversation. So Linda Orsini, when we come back, I would love for you to tell people how they can contact you, where they find you. And I think you might even have something to tell them about that, uh, that they can get as a gift. So stick around, people. We have more goodies for you. Here on Navigating Complicated Relationships, I'll see you in just a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Michaela Gaffin-Stone. I'm your host of Navigating Complicated Relationships. And today I am in conversation with Linda Orsini. And together we contributed to our lost, our lost, our forgotten children. I lost the 
bit in the middle there. I've Forgotten Children, and my chapter is chapter one. Linda's is chapter 13, and there's a whole lot of goodness in between them, and a couple more after. There are 15 authors in this book, and this is something that I think is going to be an amazing resource for people, but I would love for Linda, first, let people know where they can find you and go into some of, you know, the gifts that they might receive. Thank you. Well, I have a podcast called A Call for Love, and I just want to share the meaning behind that is that we can be in two places. We can be with our higher self or our ego or self-limiting beliefs. And so we're either in a place of love or there's fear, stress, anxiety, jealousy, resentment, anger. And so when we're in those negative places, it's a call for love. So a call for love is my podcast, noticing that we have the power to shift. And my website and business is Global Wellness Education. Because... Yeah, and you have a website that people can go to and, and check out all kinds of things that you do, right? Yes, there's a website. I have playlists um, in terms of um, self-compassion playlists. I'm really into self-compassion as helping us navigate through big emotions and meditation playlists. And uh, there's a, a free giveaway, uh, Five Secrets to Healing Hurts, Those Big Emotions. And so there's lots on the website and, of course, my course, which is Emotional Freedom, Getting Unstuck. It's a six-week course, and it's very powerful. It dives into about almost everything you can think of. And so who would you say would benefit from that course? Like, who are you thinking of when you put that course together? Well, that's a great question. It's not for the faint of heart. It's for somebody who is willing to do the work. It's not fluffy. You know, we talk about inner child wounds, self-defense, our unconscious mind, past programming, meditation, uh, healing those wounds, taking responsibility, projection, mirroring. It's really a deep dive into become our inner healer. So the job is within us and not outward, it really lets go of victimhood. So it is for somebody who is very serious to up-level their life and relationships. Oh, that's fabulous. So this is not just parents, not just uh, teachers, and you know, not people with kids necessarily, but anybody that really comes across your website and needs some help or have heard, heard you today, or find you in other places. Where else would they find you? You have your podcast, you've got your website. LinkedIn, Instagram, all okay. over. I, I can share the links. But uh, yeah, the course is for humans. Humans. Okay. People who want to human. Really, really who want to become self-actualized, who want to dive deep and become a better steward of the earth. Wow. That's a lot to do. And you said that's five weeks? Six weeks. So it's six weeks, but then the lessons you just apply throughout your life. Right. Wow. It's a life journey. Uh, that sounds like a fabulous resource for people to go and get access to. So if you're listening, I hope you're writing all of this down and uh, we'll check it out. And I would love to hear from people who are listening to the podcast or watching us. Um, what did you like most about what you heard today? What would you like more? 
from us because Linda and I are both looking to do more from the book Our Forgotten Children. You know, it's not an end in itself, but it's a resource and it's a resource for anybody that has anything to do with kids, essentially, and covers so many different directions from music that you can scan a QR code and, and play in your car to meditation to tips on behavior management. There's all kinds of things in this book. So I think it's a, a fabulous resource. And I mean, I may be a little biased, but hey, um, I think it's an awesome resource. And uh, Linda and I both put our efforts in there, um, hoping that this will help you. So I'm thinking it's for teachers and parents. Do you have anybody else in mind, Linda? Grandparents. Grandparents, yeah, that's good. They get forgotten a lot, don't they? Yeah, I think caregivers, you know, and grandparents especially. And I think, as they say, you know, grandparents say they wish they could raise their grandchildren first because they do have a little bit more time and patience and just uh, experience. So I think grandparents would love that too. I actually, I love that you added that in because grandparents do get forgotten. I think um, it's it's quite amazing, and we're not already at another break, are we? No, surely not. Um, I'm just looking at my chat there, and it's like we're at break. Um, that discombobulated me a little. So, if people took one thing away from today's conversation, where would you want them to start? What would that one thing be? Self-empowerment, you know, you know, don't get discouraged. I always say raising children, being a parent, when you don't care is easy. When you care, it's harder, right? And so we can do the hard things, you know, we can be really beautiful, kind, loving people and parents when we really decide that's going to be our intention and you can do it. Absolutely, because what every child wants is to be seen, heard, loved, and respected. You can do that. You're always already miles ahead. Oh, I, I think that is a beautiful thing. I mean, adults want to be seen and heard, and we're not doing it. We're not getting it. You know, we're not, we don't give it. We don't sort of receive it. There's a lot of yelling and, and people sort of trying to force their opinion on somebody else. And uh, I, I was reading a book recently that has Adlerian psychology I like to study. And one of the things that I got from that was that if you feel the need to put your opinion on somebody else, you know, have them take that opinion and agree with you, then <clears throat> you're already sort of wrong-footed. Because if, if you have this viewpoint and you you know it's true, you believe it, you don't need anybody else to. So there's something going on there if, if you have to push your opinion on someone else. So with parents and kids, what are you really looking for here? Do you want them to be doing something so you look like a good parent to the people who are giving you the stare, you know, the, the look when you're at the checkout and your child starts yelling for candy? Every parent ever has had some version of that, right? And so we, we shift behavior and get into a, a whole sort of, I'm parenting this child now for the person who's judging me over here. And mm -hmm. let's get out of here looking like a good parent. But nobody's seen and heard in this instance, you know, and 
seeing and hearing the the child doesn't mean giving in. In fact, mm-hmm. it pretty much means that's not what you're doing. But I, I love what you were talking about earlier on with the convince me. Like that's that's a very cool way of having the child think, okay, well, and it's amazing how fast they can come up with things. I love how inventive they can be. And they're smart. We underestimate them. They really know they're in little bodies, but they are big souls. They are, they know, they know. They do. The kids are in learning mode, I think. And because of that, they're just sort of absorbing everything. And so they see the things that we miss because we have our agendas to run to and and we have our things to do. Um, But for parents, it's so tough because you, you do get that judgment stare and the, oh, well, you know, if, excuse me, if your child ever needs to talk to a therapist, for example, first thing they're going to say is, well, it's your parents' fault, you know, and and we all feel that way, right? Oh, I I messed up. Oh, I did this thing. Or or we get very defensive about it, but none of that helps the child. No, and 90% of our thinking comes from our unconscious mind, past programming, 90%. And only 10% is what we're consciously aware of. And so those old patterns, those instinctual um, fast responses, that's why meditation and mindfulness is so good because it takes away the, the habitual reaction and gives you the space to make better, more calm decisions. Yeah. Victor Frankl said that between the... Um... I don't remember exactly how we worded it, but between the events. Stimulus and, and response. Yeah. Yeah. You have that space for response, which is where your power lies. That is the empowerment, right? And to teach that to our kids would be amazing. Wow. I wonder if they could include that in schools somehow. Some kind of class, especially for teaching children how to manage these things. Well, children learn what they see. And so we have to be that we have to be demonstrating it in our life. We can't, we want to turn theory into practice. And so it's really us being the example. Actually, I love that. Yes, kids do, you you might talk a good game, but if you're not acting that way, then they'll see what you do and follow that. Um, That's something that uh, when I'm working with someone who has anxiety and I'm trying to help the parents help the child, a lot comes up about, well, what do you do? How does your anxiety show up? And what do you do with stress? How do you respond when something doesn't work? Because that's what your child is is seeing. And it's it's just how to get these messages to the parents without them feeling blamed, shamed, or cornered in some way, you know, because that's typically the, the sort of scenario, right? The one that we're prepared to play on automatic. And, you know, I mean, if ever you've been in an IEP meeting, and I'm sure with 30 years of teaching you have, it's almost like everybody puts their crash hats on and, you know, <laughs> okay, we're going to get ready to do battle. And, and there's all sorts of things at play, but pre- being present and mindful doesn't seem to be in there. You know, it, it's more of a battleground energy and we're looking to help our kids. So it's unfortunate that that's how people show up. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I get it. I've been on both sides of the the IEP table. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of pressure in our schools, too. And Canada has has their stuff to deal with. But I'm in the U.S. now. And wow, 
teacher's job is tough. Well, I think one of the main issues is, is that we, our ego is self-preservating. Like we're preserving our sense of self-esteem and our, our image as a parent. And really, when we know that we really love our child, when we love our children and we know that we're doing the best that we can, we can maybe hear advice that can say, oh, you know, I just didn't know that. I just didn't know that. And be kind to yourself, self-compassion. And say, you mm. know what? I didn't see that. I didn't see that there was another alternative and I didn't know that. But, you know, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person and it doesn't mean I'm a bad person parent it just means I didn't know and now I know better so I can do better absolutely we have one more break it's it, it did sneak up on us um we'll be back in a moment and we'll let you know where you can find Linda where you can find me and where you can find our book so how about that you're listening to navigating complicated relationships with me your host Michaela Gaffinstone don't go away we have a few more minutes yet what if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I just want to remind you that if you're going to send me an email, it's M-I-K-K-I, Mickey, at gaffinstone.com. I'm not a mouse. So that's the spelling, M-I-K-K-I. And I love to hear from people. So do email me. Let me know how you found this episode, what you'd like to know more of, and make sure that you check the notes afterwards to make sure you get access to Linda. You can see her website and you can get our book. From Amazon, it's in all the all the best Amazons.ca.com.uk, all all the places, and it's on Kindle as well. So, Linda, tell us again what people can find on your website. There's playlists that they can have because some people might not have heard that part. Okay, well, so once again, my business name is Global Wellness Education because it's we want to be globally well. And you will find playlists. You will find playlists of meditation playlists, self-compassion playlists, self-empowerment. What I've done is I've taken my podcasts and I've kind of put them into categories so that if you are interested in one of them, then you can go just straight to that playlist. And of course, my course, which is Emotional Freedom, Getting Unstuck to Awaken Your Inner Healer and Find Your Personal Power, Purpose and Passion. And that is going on. And of course, coaching and speaking and retreats. I do retreats. Oh, and cool. When do you have a retreat coming up? I have a retreat coming up the end of May. It's almost sold out and in Canada. And it is a beautiful place. And it's called Blue Mountain on top of the mountain. And if any of you know Whistler, 
Blue Mountain is like a baby whistler. Oh, wow. I hope everybody just started making notes on that one and almost sold out. So you might want to check that out quickly um, to make sure you can get in. (laughs) How many places do you have left, do you think? Three. You have three. Okay, that's very precise. Three people listening to this show could be very fortunate and go find themselves a spot there. I suggest you check it out. I just want to mention next week's show is Unveiling Agnotology. And if this is a word you haven't heard before, you're going to find it very interesting. It is, uh, well, let's just say Unveiling Agnotology Behind the Veil of Industry Secrets. And if you've been listening to my podcasts, you'll know that we're talking industry, we're talking food industry, pharmaceutical and diet industry and what they're all up to. The word agnotology is fascinating. I'm going to do an entire episode on it. So there you go. Um, Let's see what you think about that. Meanwhile, Linda and I are, well, we have a few minutes left. So um, what else would you say? people would get from the Our Forgotten Children book? Because we've both mentioned our chapters, and I know there's a musician in there who has QR codes for, I think there's, I don't I'm not, don't know how many songs there are, but they're short songs for children to listen to, join in with, sing along, and, you know, just so many different resources in here. Well, I would say that, I was a teacher librarian for many years, so I am a book lover, and I really love these because, you know, parents are busy, grandparents are busy, caregivers are busy, and so these are short chapters that are very doable, and then I would suggest if I was reading this as a parent of young children, I would read one chapter and then kind of apply, apply it for a week and try it on for size, and then read the next chapter, and then do it. It's not something that you read front to back. It's, it's you want to apply it. And also that each chapter, each each author has their um, proceeds going to a donation of their choice, which is a really beautiful thing. So not only are you supporting your family and the human experience, but you're also supporting different organizations in real need. And who is your organization? Mine is Covenant House. It's a place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada for um, runaways, uh, trafficked children, youth. And uh, it's just really, they offer a lot to those youth in need. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, And my chosen charity is amitchildren.org, which are an organization that provide education. They provide counseling and PTSD therapy for children who are in a war zone right now. And it is very, very much needed, unfortunately. I'm sad that it is, but it is. And that's my organization. And I know we have 13 other organizations in this book, all of whom are getting the proceeds. The authors aren't getting anything from this other than the pleasure of being in the book, being able to talk about it and reaching an audience with it. So that's what what we're doing with the book. And, and then some of the, all of the proceeds go to these charities and there's 15 of them. So yeah, it's a win-win whether you get Kindle or whether you get the paperback, like go for it. And I think it's, 
I like that you said do, read a chapter and then apply it because this isn't a novel. It's not something that you're going to just breeze through. And there's such diverse perspectives from a mom of 15 to a grandparent that has a, a grandchild with autism to parents themselves who are putting their perspective in there. So it really does cover so many angles for people. And it's a great little resource. I, I'm impressed with the caliber of people that are in there um, and, and quite honored to be alongside. Like that's just it's beautiful. Yes, I have enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed your chapter too. I, I, I chuckled a couple times and was nodding my head many times. Ah, that's what I'm hoping the parents will do too. <laughs> the parents and the teachers is like, mm, yes, I recognize that one. Because um, I, I think that's the thing is we have this common experience, but we tend to feel quite often that it's only me that's struggling with this, or I, I must be the only one that can't do all the things, you know, and this generation, you know, Gen X were raised basically by themselves, and then they're trying to parent. And it's tough when you don't have that model to parent from, or the model wasn't very helpful. So there's so many things for that generation to overcome and to work with. And then you've got millennials now are, are getting into having kids and they have their own set of things to deal with. So there's so much going on. I think any resource that's flexible has got to be good because those parenting books of old, they make good doorstops, but I don't know about anything else. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're for the child in the middle of the bell curve and that child doesn't really exist. So this is for real kids. This is for your child. So uh, I urge people to check it out. Kindle, Amazon, it's uh, paperback. And one last thing before we go, what would you love to tell people? I mean, just one more time. Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to animals, people, planet. Just be kind. Just notice and just live from your heart. Try to see people who they really are, which is, is at our deepest core. We are energy and we are love. And if we can just tap into that, just, just see beyond what people are saying and doing and maybe look at where they are in their journey as a soul spirit, then, then we can be more kind and compassionate. I think the world would be such a different place if we could all do that. And I like to tell people, you know, don't believe everything you think. Mm. Be open to learning something new, hearing something new, and maybe you're not right and that's okay. You know, be open. We are at the end of our conversation today. I have enjoyed it so much. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Makaila returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.